the spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and Stephanie Burke. Science advisor Matt Moniz taking the week off because we've determined that we can never have four people here at the same time ever again. Yeah, it's kind of a, we, a pattern I, now. I think we have a chance maybe next week, next next Saturday night. You never know. I think we I think we might have a chance next Saturday night. And then the Saturday night after that, I'll be at Salem Con, which we'll be talking about in just a few minutes. Uh, and then, like, who knows what's going to happen after that. You never know. Moniz has some more things planned, and I know you've got some things planned, and, you I know, do. Matt's a man of mystery. I am. He goes where the wind takes him. <laughs> you never know what can happen. And uh, But, you know, we'll still have programs, that's for sure, because we are going to be here each and every Saturday night for you to talk about the paranormal. It's kind of what we do. And uh, tonight we will be talking about a variety of different topics. As I mentioned, we'll be talking with, uh, with Aunt Mark and or Lauren of Mass Ghost Hunters Paranormal Society to find out about Salem Con, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks, and I'll be part of it, and you can come out and take part of it as well. There's still some tickets available for some of the events associated with Salem Con, so we'll have all that information for you in a moment. And then a little bit later on, we'll be joined by my friend Anna Hill, who you probably know her on Twitter as Paranormal Anna, and she is somebody that I've been discussing the paranormal with off and on for a couple of months now, and I've been trying to get her to come on. And tonight she agreed. She wrote an article, which uh, we shared on Twitter, at SpookySC. And, of course, you can share in the discussion on Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive. But I shared the article out. And you know, you guys both know, Mm -hmm. we talk quite a bit about the the parunity myth here on Spooky South Coast. Once upon a time, we were waving that parunity flag where everybody has to work together and, you know, we all have to be united as one. And then what happened is I stopped living in Pollyanna land and grew up and realized that you can't have steak and ice cream every dinner for night, uh, every night for dinner. So uh, when I became an actual grown-up here and I realized, wait a minute, sometimes grown-ups don't get along. Sometimes grown-ups don't always see eye to eye and it's it's not a bad thing. So... We'll talk about that with Anna and a lot of other topics as well. There's a variety of things that we can discuss. And, of course, we'll always take your calls throughout the course of the night at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. And if you are uh, home and maybe you're out and about, as long as you're not driving and you need to get those numbers, you can just go to SpookySouthCoast.com. They are right there for you. Before we get into everything with Salem Con, I just want to give you guys a little bit of a, a tease here. I'm very excited after Tuesday night's meeting. We had the first meeting for an evening of ghost stories in New England legends. It's coming up on May 22nd at the Blackstone River Theater in Cumberland, Rhode Island. This is the first time Legend Trips is stepping out of the investigative event mode. We're trying something that's very unique and very different, and I am very excited after having this meeting. It was myself. Jeff Belanger, Andrew Lake, Carl Johnson, and Frank Grace. And the way that we have this planned, if it works out, is going to be unlike anything you've ever seen. Don't say if. It's going to work out. Well, sometimes you have ideas, and then sometimes those ideas can come to fruition, and sometimes they can't. Because there's going to be some limitations on us right? in, in terms of what we can actually produce. I mean, it's, it's a small theater. So, you know, the, we're not going to be having all the same special effects as the Broadway version of Beauty and the Beast, but we can come up with some other things. Who would be the beauty? Who would be the beast? Uh, well, <clears throat> only one of us has. Well, actually, you should see Frank. 
Frank, I did see Frank's, Frank's beard. That's it's, why I'm asking. It's longer than mine, so yeah, it's a, it'd be a battle between uh, him and I. But the he's more of the Gaston type anyway, though. He's a nice big strapping guy. That, yes. So, but uh, but then again, so is the Beast. Anyway, I I know way too much about Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> The the way that we've got this planned, it, like I said, it's going to be unlike anything that you've ever seen, and it's it's certainly going to be a focus back on the story. The reason why we all got into this in the first place is because we liked that feeling that we got mm-hmm. when when strange things happened. We liked that feeling when things were a little bit spooky and a little bit creepy, and we're going to take you back to that with some great true New England ghost stories. the The cool part about it is we've got. You know, stories that we want to tell, and they're stories that we know inside and out. But now the trick is to not be talking about investigating them, not be talking about, you know, what EVP people caught, not talking about what kind of anomalous photographs, whatever. It's not about that. It's about the story itself. And sometimes those stories are going to be legends that have popped up. Sometimes they're going to be actual factual accounts of things. But it doesn't matter. It's all going to be woven in. You'll know the difference. I mean, it's not like we're going to... It's not like we're making up a bunch of stories here and, 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 and doing it that way, but we're going to have them all woven together. But the star of the show, as reluctant as he may be to admit it, the star of the show will be the photography of Frank Grace. It will be front and center, a key part of all of these stories. And when you see these photos, if you've never seen Frank's work, which you can check out Trig Photography on SmugMug.com, you'll see some of his photos there. If you've never seen his work, the only way I can describe it is, his photo is a ghost story. Mm-hmm. When he takes a photo of a haunted location, the feeling, the emotion that you would experience if you were there is all caught up in that photo. He's an amazing, amazing artist. And I, I was telling somebody today, somebody was looking to get a, a portrait done, and I showed them some of Frank's portrait wor- portraiture mm-hmm. work, and uh, and he was like, wow, you know, like that. It's 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 a very distinctive style. It is, and I, you know we can say that because he uses the HDR photography and all that. I know a lot of other photographers are using that now, but it's Frank's eye. That's why I said artist because it's not just a picture. The detail that he puts into the editing of the picture, mm-hmm. the actual thought of the picture, the lighting, everything. Um, he's taken my pictures before, very reluctantly, but he did it for me. And um, he was he was reluctant, or you were reluctant. He was very reluctant because his thing is not people. Right. It's always what. He he sees, mm-hmm. and he just—you know how he works. He just takes a picture of whatever he, whatever he sees in front of him, and he turns into a masterpiece. So, actual sitting, taking a picture, kind of planning it um, at the time wasn't really his thing. It wasn't what he was into. But he took beautiful pictures, and what he did with the pictures was amazing. And that's what he does with everything. He uh, he really is uh, just a, an incredible photographer, and you will get to see his work front and center at an evening of ghost stories and New England legends. Again, it's happening May 22nd, and that'll be at the Blackstone River Theater in Cumberland, Rhode Island. The tickets are only $15 if you buy them ahead of time, $20 at the door. But i got to tell you, don't take a chance of buying them at the door. We've only announced this two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We barely put any promotion into it outside of social media and outside of going to our regular Legend Trips crowd. And already the theaters have sold out. Which is amazing. So I wouldn't waste too much time if you plan on going to this. Again, $15 in advance. That's not bad. It's you know the equivalent of going out to a 3D movie. And we'll be pretty. We'll be 3D. We're, we're going to be three-dimensional right <laughs> in front of so. you. You won't even have to wear glasses. And you're some of the best storytellers that there is. Well, it's... 
I appreciate that, but uh, I defer to guys like Carl Johnson and Andrew Lake, who are just masterful when it comes to, you know, not only, we're just having this meeting, and Andy's, like, spouting off all these legends Mm -hmm. all off the top of his head. I'm like, just imagine what's going to happen when he crafts this into the way he wants to tell it. I tell him all the time, I can drive around in his car all over New England, and he could just say one word the entire time, but the way that he just presents it is captivating. Absolutely the, captivating. The only time he loses me is when he starts talking about Doctor Who. Because he knows everything about every yes. episode, and I haven't seen them. I've so never seen them either. I'm like, oh, I don't know, but you know all the details, mm-hmm. man. I just like hearing When he's passionate about something, I love to hear when he talks when he's passionate about something. So, And you'll get to hear it for yourself. Just go to legendtrips.com if you want to get your tickets. But now let's bring on our first guests of the evening. Uh, we either have Mark and or Lauren. Uh, hello. Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Good evening. Good evening. Oh, we have Mark and Lauren. <laughs> you got us both. <laughs> well, and, and you guys have had a pretty busy day. You've already done one radio show uh, earlier, and uh, and now thank you for joining us a little bit here tonight to give everybody an update on SalemCon because we're only a couple of weeks away. Are you guys nervous yet? Uh, yes, uh, very nervous. I think I've been carrying a bucket around with me all day, ready to just vomit at any moment with the nervousness. Well, that's good. Taking care of a newborn. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it like that anyway, though, Lauren, for the most part? Yeah, pretty much. Without the changing the diapers, it's the same <laughs> So we had Mark on a few weeks ago on the program to talk about SalemCon, to give us some information. Uh, and, and back then there was a lot of stuff that was still kind of being kept under wraps. But, you know, all the information is hitting people now. If you go to mghparanormal.com, you can find out all the information about it. But this is going to be happening April 10th through the 12th at the Hawthorne Hotel in West Salem, Massachusetts. And you guys have put together a, a great lineup of people that if I wasn't going to be one of the one of the speakers, one of the presenters, this is the group of people that I'd want to see. I, You know, I fully agree with that because I've been saying it from day one that I, if we weren't organizing this, I would go to this event. Oh, just you? Yes, just me. I wouldn't take you. I'd go by myself. <laughs> maybe if you got a, maybe if you got a group on, Lauren, you could go. But full price, forget it. <laughs> no, but that was the purpose. That that was like our focus when we when when Mark came up with this idea. Like, I want to do an event. I want to continue on with what GHH was doing. It was, you know, like, how can we put together an event that not only focuses on, like, the history of an area, but also brings in the local the local legends, so to speak, you know, like, parallel investigators and historians and researchers and people from that area. Yeah. That, you know. I mean, yeah, that was, that was exactly it. And, it. and that's why, if you look at the lineup, first of all, we're fortunate up here to have a great area for paranormal activity and, yeah. and paranormal history. Second of all, a lot of the people that are involved in the paranormal come from New England. And it's if everybody's in our backyard, why not use the people that are here? And people like yourself and Jeff and, and, and John and Dustin and Brian, I mean, all these people up in the Northeast that, that have the knowledge and, and just are, quote, unquote, you know, we always say, oh, there's no experts, but let's face it. I mean, of the people that we can, quote, unquote, maybe say are experts, you guys are the closest thing we have to experts on paranormal so who better to talk about the history in in salem and and the history of the paranormal what's really cool about it too is you know 
the the group of people, in addition to having that wealth of knowledge, they're also just a, a really cool, relaxed group of people to hang out with. So if you go into the VIP party on Friday night, if you're hanging around at the conference during Saturday, you know when when people aren't presenting and you you just want to approach them and talk to them, they're all very approachable, uh, very conversational people. Nobody is going to be coming into this as a prima donna. Uh, well, you know maybe Belanger, but that's all right. <laughs> He's earned it. But you know it just seems like uh, it, it's it's. Normally when you go to one of these things, you go to one of these conventions, there's always a little bit of an intimidation factor for people. And there's no reason to be intimidated by any of the folks that will be at SalemCon. Right. Yes, exactly I, right. I agree. It's so weird, right? Sorry, we just had, speaking of paranormal, something just moved in our apartment. We're like, what the heck was that? Wow. <laughs> what the hell was that? What the hell was that? Does that happen often? Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, you never know what you're going to bring home with you and uh, and what you could also bring to Salem Con with you. And it's actually going to be happening at a haunted location. Correct. That is correct. The Hawthorne Hotel has a reputation for being haunted. And um, I would dare I say it, it does not hurt their business to, to be in Salem and have a reputation for being haunted. If anything, people want to stay there even more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that if, if you're staying in any room, People say there's a couple of room numbers, which by chance are already taken because the reputation's out there for specific rooms. Yeah. So people knew about them and, and requested those rooms when booking their rooms. Yeah. But I would I would say you know don't let that stop you from if you if you're feeling a little bored during the day or something, do an EVP session in your room. You never know what you might catch. Right. Yeah, the absolutely. Whole area is just charged. And, uh, again, so it'll be uh, on April 10th, a Friday night, there'll be a VIP party that'll be happening with all the speakers involved. And, you're saying, you know, and I, I, th- this is kind of for a lot of people that are, quote, unquote, in the field. This is the this is probably more key for them because they get a chance to meet the folks that they've been talking with online and a chance to meet them in a setting that's not all about the work, a chance to kind of get to know each other as people. Uh, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's what's yeah. cool about that. Yeah, I, re- I feel like the VIP party is honestly where the memories from the weekend are made you know you, you forge some friendships you, you have a blast laughing and catch people with their guard down and you know yes yeah, saturday's kind of fun here in the lectures and stuff but i mean we all saw look, there's still pictures floating around from parahistory con last year that ghh threw of jeff mudgett and everybody dancing out on the floor and yeah. those pictures still fly around because Muddy. it was so fun and you know and that's the part that that we love about it is you welcome everybody like, hey, everybody's here. Let's let our hair down and have a good time, and we'll get to business tomorrow. Yeah. Well, everybody everybody will let their hair down except Tobin. <laughs> he already let his down years ago, but uh, just never came back. The uh, <laughs> I owe him one for last year for Power History Console. There. Yes, you do. And then on, on Saturday, you've got a, a great lineup of presentations happening. I mean, it's going to be hard for people to actually get out into uh, the convention area and see some of the folks out there because they're going to be so entrenched, uh, entrenched in some of these great talks that will be going on. Right. Yeah. This is something that um, we, we, we wanted to go into the lecture series with a bit of a theme. We did not want to go in with just, uh, oh, yeah, here's so-and-so from this TV show. Go ask them about the TV show. Yeah. So we asked all of you to sort of have a structure uh, based on paranormal and the history and and an idea that you can talk about. And, you know, like I know that you'll be talking about a, a, a subject that you've titled Maybe Ghosts Weren't People Too, and it's going to be about alternate theories of what the paranormal really could be. Um, you know, Brian Cano is going to talk about paralosophy. It's, it's 
you know, hashtag philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's this idea and, and the theories that he goes by. And Dustin Parry with the bigger question and Jeff Belandra, the witch's warty nose. Mm-hmm. And, and Scott Grunewald is going to bring some levity to the whole situation with God Ate My Lunch. But, um, you know, we're going to end it all with Moving Forward by Michael Diamond, which is really going to kind of talk about where we are now and what the future could possibly hold for paranormal investigating and, and the field in general, how teams can sort of come together a little bit without necessarily having to be that para-unity you were talking about before. Oh. Um, and we can't forget Tobin, by the way, kicking everything off with exploring the psychology of the paranormal either. So Yeah, that's going to be really fun. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be hosting uh, my Saturday morning show from the hotel. So I'll be, you know, I'll be probably getting down to the convention floor uh, probably about nine thirty or so, because right. I, I, you know, the, the the job beckons and and it gives me a chance to promote a little bit more and to get people to come down to Salem during the day. Uh, but I'm I'm hoping that I get the chance to to see everything that's going on because uh, I know I'm going to be busy and I know I'm going to be talking to a lot of people. But uh, can we at least like can we can we videotape some of these so if I miss them I'll be able to see them because. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited for some of these, except Belanger's. I'm tired of hearing him talk. So, but an old act. the key the key part to that is that on you know the Saturday events themselves, it's only ten dollars to be able to go and attend. Exactly. Yeah, we wanted to keep that affordable so that uh, you know people walking around Salem during the day will go, hey, what's going on at the Hawthorne? Yeah. Oh, it's only ten bucks. I'm going. I'm yes. Gonna, if it's you know you get up to thirty or forty or fifty dollars, then people kind of go. Uh, I could go have dinner with my family for fifty dollars. Yeah. Right, and ten bucks. You get to go in, hear all these people speak, go through the vendor floor, and just just sort of have fun with it. Not to mention the fact it's going to hopefully encourage people to maybe spend a little bit of money while they're in that vendor floor too, and, yeah. and get and get some things from the, the cool people that'll be there. Yeah, I mean, ten dollars. If you're walking around Salem with your family and you didn't know this was going on, and you're just up there like checking out some of the sites, ten dollars is cheaper than most of the other stuff you would pay to get into around Salem. Yep. Exactly. And yep. and you get the chance to walk in and, and, and see some of these great uh, presentations and, and meet some great people. And, and I know that are there still some ghost hunt tickets available for Saturday night? There indeed are. We have uh, we have about 15 left, uh, and that includes the VIP package as well, because once the, the ghost hunt tickets are sold out, then we obviously can't offer a VIP package anymore. Yeah. Right. So there's about 15 tickets left for the ghost hunt slash VIP package. Um, and once those sell out, then you'll, there are still a handful of tickets left to the um, VIP party. And obviously, you know, we're going to allow we, – we can allow up to 300 people into the building for the uh, conference floor yeah, at a so, time. At a time. Yeah. So we'll, we have some flexibility there with the convention tickets still. Excellent. Well, so uh, – and you've made the announcement of where we'll be investigating on Saturday night? Yes, we did. We uh, we announced partial. We announced one location. We had partially announced our second location, and we do have a couple more that we should be able to announce very soon. Um, as I've been saying, you know, it's kind of a slippery slope with the town of Salem because, you know, it's uh, they're a great city. They have tons of history, but for some reason, they're not always very open about uh, the occult, even though that's what their economy is based off of. Yeah. But we love them. We're very happy to be there and doing what we're doing there. Um, with that said, our first location that we were able to announce is actually Witch Tees. It's a, it's a T-shirt shop right on um, Essex, Essex Street, and uh, that's an old part of Salem. If you open, we, we, we're actually there today doing a little walkthrough with the owner, and if you open the back door to the place, there's a parking lot 
But that parking lot used to be the harbor, and that's where the tall ships would come in, unload their goods, and the basement is connected to what was the smuggler tunnels. And essentially what happened was the tall ships would come in under the cover of night, and they'd unload some of their wares there into the smuggler tunnels to bypass the customs house so that there wouldn't be tariffs and taxes to everybody. And then they would essentially distribute throughout the city in these tunnels that were underground. And, um, you know, there is activity in the building. Uh, We had a pretty cool experience when we were there today and and, uh, got a little jazzed up about it. So that was the first spot we were able to announce. The second one is a building that's not far from there, uh, literally a couple hundred yards. And uh, that building has history that goes uh, back a ways. It was an old, uh, the old Salem police station. It had jails in it and uh, has a history of Harry Houdini performing an escape trick in the building. Oh, very nice. So, so the, uh, get your get your stuff about Houdini ready to ask some questions. So when you buy tickets to the ghost hunt, will you be will you be uh, purchasing for one location? Will you be rotating through the locations? What's the plan? You'll be, yeah, you'll rotate through. Nice. You'll, be, uh, you'll get a chance to investigate each location that, that we have for you. Beautiful. So then you want to jump on mghparanormal.com right now to get your tickets and get those before they're gone. Guys, I'm so excited for this. I can't wait. I can't believe it's only a couple weeks away. I, I'm really excited for my presentation, and uh, I'll, I'll give a few more hints here on Spooky South Coast as we get closer. But uh, I, I just think this is going to be a phenomenal weekend. Everybody come on out. Check it out. It's Salem Con happening April 10th through the 12th at the Hawthorne Hotel in West Salem, Massachusetts. Again, the website, mghparanormal.com, and that's where you can get your tickets, but hurry up and get them now. So, Lauren and Mark, thank you for joining us, and i, I got to tell you, get some rest, because it's you're not gonna, you won't have much chance for the next couple of weeks. I'm about ready. Yeah, I'm about ready. <laughs> <laughs> All thank right. You guys. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. And uh, we will be talking, uh, of course, about Salem Con over the next couple of weeks. And I'll, I'll give some hints about what I'm going to be presenting. But I'll, I'll say right now that I'm going to be con- – and I, I mentioned this earlier today on, uh, on Sophia Temporelli's show, the ghost host, mm-hmm. Sophia, on her show. And I, I gave a little bit of a hint. I'm going to be conducting an experiment as part of my presentation. And it's either going to be really awesome and people are going to walk out of there – remembering this and talking about this, or it's going to be a spectacular failure. Hmm. And people are going to walk out of there remembering this and talking about this. So either way, I'm going to... You're creating em- a buzz. Yes. I'll emblazon okay. myself in people's memories. They will have a good time. I promise you'll be entertained, at least, by the attempt. You'll have to run this by me on the news break. I will. But whether or not it actually works remains to be seen. Hmm. Actually, I'm, I'm, I am going to pick your brain a little bit, because you might actually have some ideas of how to help make it happen. So Does it involve okay. Mentos and Diet Coke? It does not. That's Belanger's thing. Oh. Mm. But, uh, uh, he, no, he, he does the, the Pop Rocks and soda. I don't know if he's done the Mentos and Diet Coke, because that actually does work, it does. right? That actually yeah. does explode. It does. Maybe I'll have to come down and actually be there for it. I think you have to. Maybe. I, you definitely should be. All right, we'll, uh, we'll take a break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by Anna Hill, Paranormal Anna. She'll be joining us to talk about her article that she has up. And you can check it out yourself if you go to her website, paranormalanna.blogspot.com, and you can see the article. It's called Memento Mori, My Macabre Fixation. We'll talk with her about, and I, I can't read it word for word because she doesn't hold back with some mm-hmm. of the language, but we'll talk about some of the general themes. We'll talk about the idea behind Parunity, and we'll also discuss some other topics as well coming up here on Spooky South Coast on the new 1420 WBSM. 
back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with Stephanie Burke and the silent assassin Matt Costa. And, of course, you can join in the discussion with the program using the hashtag SpookyLive. Also, you can call in at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. And, Stephanie, we have a shout-out to we give We do have a shout-out. We got an email this week from a brand-new listener named Leon. I hope I'm saying the name correctly, from the Netherlands. So we all wanted to say hi and to welcome you to our show Um we have plenty of archives for you to listen to. I'm sure you've discovered some of them, but we're excited to have a brand new listener from so far away. We have. It's amazing how mm-hmm. global this show has become. We And I have conversations with people every day. Australia, New Zealand, right. China, Germany, um, Spain. But I believe that's the first from the Netherlands. I think so, too. So that's really exciting. And uh, And... and you know, our goal is that you know we want to reach as many people as we can mm-hmm. and and entertain them and share with them. But what I what I love about it is that they have such an interest in our little corner of the world. Right, and I loved um, part of the email that he wrote um, gave us a little insight about what it's like in his country when it comes to ghost hunting and paranormal and everything else. And he said it's really not that common. So um, it's amazing that he would stumble upon our show and then actually be interested in the subject matter. So again, we ask, we always ask this. And we get a very mediocre response, so I'm going to ask it again. We want everybody out there that's listening, we want you to tweet us, at SpookySC. Tweet us, let us know where you're from, how you found the show, how long you've been listening. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash SpookySouthCoast. You can email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, whatever way you need to, to reach out to us. But we want to know, where are you in the world, and how did you find the show? Because it's it's fascinating to me that people just happen upon it. It is. So But then again, nine nine plus years now of doing the show. You know, there's certainly enough of it out there for them to find. I know, but I feel like the emails and the where you're from, you know, tweets are coming in more and more lately. Well, I love more it. More so uh recently. So everybody out there, let us know where you're from. Make sure that you get to us either Twitter or email and we will give you a shout out on our next show. Absolutely. Even if you're like from Fairhaven. You know, it doesn't and, matter. You know, you're like I'm a mile from we the station. Know. We just want to know, so let us know. And uh, and speaking of uh, of people who are all over the place, we'll go with somebody who is on the other side of the country with our guest tonight. Uh, you know her as Paranormal Anna, Anna Hill. Good evening, Anna. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Tim? Uh, we are spectacular, as we say here. <laughs> and I gotta say, like we've been having pretty much daily conversations for months now, and I think this is the first time that I've heard your voice. It is. That is a very true statement. But uh, you know, we we've we've seen you on on Twitter for a long time now with uh, sharing uh, some some very uh, intriguing information. Of course, you run a couple of Facebook groups that uh, generate a lot of buzz for their you know, actual rational discussion of paranormal topics. Which you know, I don't know why you would ever think we can talk about this stuff rationally, but right. you, you seem to have found a way to do it. Yeah, I, I think that it's, you know, important to have some kind of foundation or, um, you know, base where people can come and talk openly on both sides, whether you are a skeptical person or a believer and, you know, have a safe place where you can talk about topics that you don't feel attacked. And hopefully everybody has a way that they can express themselves that both sides learn from from the discussion. It, it seems like you've been fortunate enough in your work to be able to find a good balance of that. You know, right. you've been able to surround yourself with other investigators that 
kind of see things the same way that you do. Was that a process for you, or did you just kind of luck out and connect with the right people? Um, you know, I, I work with pretty much everybody. Um, you know, I, I do have psychics that are friends of mine that I have worked with, even if I'm not, um, you know, I'm not 100% sold that, that psychics are psychic. I don't know, but um, a couple of my friends, you know, they've proven themselves time and time again that they are, they're pretty accurate, and, you know, I, I, I don't doubt that there are gifts out there. But as far as people like myself, you know, I, I think I'm just like everybody else. I just try to stay balanced. I try not to judge too harshly right away and just try to keep a happy medium. See, speaking of happy mediums, my, my co-host is one, <laughs> Stephanie Burke, and it took me a while, and, and you know this, Stephanie. I right. mean, we've been friends from the first moment that we met. Right. And even then, I knew the first day that you had abilities, and I was like, I kind of was like, yeah, okay, thank you, <laughs> nice to know. But uh, as you know, it took a while for me to be able to to accept that and and to see it actually in action. Right. And and I'm sure Anna, for you, it's the same thing. You know, you you're you're one of those people that's like me. You know, prove it to me, show me, right. and then I'll make up my own mind. Yeah. Well, you know, I I grew up a kid that. Um, you know, I had some weird things happen to me as a child. I had my brother's best friend pass away in a car accident. I dreamed about it happening the night before. My mother had those same kind of things happen to her. I guess you call it um, precognitive or whatever dreams. So, I mean, I would be a total hypocrite to say that I don't believe that there are gifts because I think there are. I, I believe I may have empathic abilities. But, I mean, I just take it case by case. I have to, you know work with somebody over and over again. I'm not going to immediately assume somebody's a liar just because, um, you know, I don't know them. I, 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 just like I would want somebody to prove to me that they are a medium, I'd have to have it proven to me that they aren't. I, I try to just stay unbiased about the situation until something presents that proves one way or the other. What was, it, was it those experiences when you were younger and, and those little touches of the paranormal in your life that made you want to pursue this? Actually, what caused me to really get involved with the paranormal as a kid was um, waking up in the middle of the night feeling like something was sitting on my chest. And eventually, I mean, after several times of this happening, I actually could see somebody standing at the edge of my bed. And it seems like I would have these episodes once or twice a week. Um, sometimes I would go months without having them. But eventually this vision of this thing at the end of my bed was... Um, coming closer and closer and closer to me, and next thing you know, it was on top of me and choking me. I lived with this until from eight years old until I was about, I don't know, about 23, 24, 25, when I was watching the Montel Williams show, and um, people were talking about night terrors and this type of thing, and there was a girl on there that was talking about sleep paralysis, and I finally realized, oh, my God, I think that this is what I've been living with my whole life. When I would talk about it to other people, my parents they were, like, ready to, like, send me to the nut house because they thought I was crazy and nobody understood what I was going through. And still to this date, I don't know of anybody who's had sleep paralysis as frequently as I have. I I don't know what it is with me, I, a stressful childhood or whatever, but it sparked something inside myself to realize that no matter how terrifying a situation is, there is a chance that it could have a rational explanation. Um you know, for me, the figure at the end of my bed was extremely real. I, I felt him. I saw him. And 
at the end of it, I was able to rationalize what happened. So that, for me, kind of sparked my mind in a skeptical way to, to, to think that, okay, no matter how real it is for my clients or whoever I'm working with, that their case may actually have a rational explanation. So it just kind of has gone from there. Was it instantaneous that you were able to kind of turn off the emotional and delve into the an- analytical, or did you have to you know, go through kind of a process of acceptance of what was happening before you could start to, to look at it with an analytical mind? It's definitely been a process. If you go back to like my work when I, when I first started, um, which is about only about five years ago, um, a lot of, I mean, I was one of those. I was posting orbs. I was posting all this stuff because I didn't understand it. I was going out with this flash photography camera. I was taking horrible pictures with, um, you know, streaks from slow shutter speeds. I, I mean, I made every mistake there was. But the difference between me and I think some other people, I'm not saying all people because I don't feel that I'm better than anybody else, is that I learned and I educated myself and I took the time to find out why it was happening rather than running with it. I never posted an orb or anything saying, oh, my God, this is a ghost, but I would post it as interesting or unknown or this type of thing. Um, You know, I made my fair share of mistakes, and it's been a process. And actually, in the last two years, I've really had to come to terms with the fact that I just didn't see the paranormal community the same way anymore. Like um, a good friend of mine, Lewis, you know, he he finally had to message me one day and say, "Hey, what's going on with you? Are you turning totally disbeliever on me?" And I'm like, "No, I'm I'm a believer. I just I just don't buy everything anymore. I just something's happened to me." And he asked me. He says, "Do you feel like you're becoming disenchanted?" And I said, "I think that's exactly what's happening to me." But I still love being out there, and I still love helping people, and um, I just have a really hard time with people who are selling something to people who are vulnerable and don't take the time to educate themselves on different subjects before they consider themselves, you know, the end-all, be-all to certain phenomenons that could very well be explainable. Well, and that's what what I find interesting about the way that a lot of paranormal groups and investigators operate. If you were going to open, you know, I'll I'll say an ice cream shop. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were going to open an ice cream shop, you kind of have to have a a business model in place. And you kind of have to have a, a way of going about how you're going to conduct things. But it seems like people just jump into the paranormal field and get involved without having kind of that business model in place. And it's fine. I mean, I understand that a lot of people are going to base the way that they operate on what they've seen on a 44-minute weekly television show. And at least that gives you some kind of structure. But I'm I'm just amazed at how many people are going into this without any idea how all of this works and not realizing that those people whose living room you are sitting in talking to, you know, they're not characters on a TV show like you would be watching on, on, you know, Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters or what have you, those are real people, and what you're doing has an effect on them. Well, that's that's kind of a, my big pet peeve, you know, and I, I think I, I spoke with you a little bit about this the other night on, on one of your Facebook topics, is that I don't mind the people who go out to the cemeteries or, you know, the the popular spots and, and post their stuff and carry on and on. It's fine. I, I, I honestly don't have an issue with that, and I believe that everybody's on their own path to learn. When I have a problem with is um, people who will go into other people's homes 
labeling themselves as an expert. And you got to remember, the people to, whose homes we're going into, they're probably not too keen on the paranormal community as we are. So when somebody comes in with all this gadgetry and, you know, the matching black shirts and everything, it, it comes across as very professional, as it should. But these people don't understand that the paranormal community is not a governed community. It's not police. There's nothing that's keeping people from doing one thing or another. So when people are actually going into people's houses and you're finding all this stuff, especially the groups that have the orbs, have the different photography errors or whatever going on their page, and they're going in and telling people that they have demons, that they need to move or all this stuff, that's when I have a problem. That's when I start getting upset with people. Um, the other issue I have is when we're on Facebook or whatever and, and somebody's trying to seek help and they post a picture or something, that's something so adamantly just obvious. I mean, we're talking about like ghost apps or sure, you know, the, yeah. the real obvious stuff that you can't deny. And we've got people on there saying, oh, no, I've been a expert for 30 years and this is this is definitely a demon you've got a demon you need to sell your home you need to do all this there's a problem with that and i know i've been labeled as kind of like a hater or somebody who's kind of cynical about the paranormal community and honestly i have become that way a little bit i have become very cynical but for me it's an advocacy for the client i I, I try to advocate for people that is not acceptable, and that is not the way that I want the paranormal community to be represented. Well, I think the worst part about it is you don't have to be an expert, but you're at least the person that's more knowledgeable than the one right. who's inviting you into their home. And with that comes an obligation to not... Uh, abuse that trust that they have for, for you. I mean, they're, they're putting their... I, I wouldn't let most other people into my home unless they had some sort of a license. You know, you're not coming into my home to work on my pipes if you're not a licensed plumber. You're not working on my wires if you're not a licensed electrician. But because we don't have any kind of licensing for paranormal investigation, you kind of have to take it at face value. So with that, you know, you have to at least respect the... Uh, you know, you have to respect the work of others uh, that are in the same position by conducting yourself in a professional manner. I absolutely agree with you. And, um, you know, it's not to say that there's not people out there who really know their stuff. Sure. I mean, I've met some amazing researchers, um, you know, like like John. He's, he's a, John Tenney. He's a great investigator. I really admire his work, and I admire his style. Um, Dustin Perry, he, I admire the guy. I think he's a great researcher. But... And actually, I, I mean, that's not just to say well-known people. That's just people I think that your listeners will recognize. But, I mean, right. there's so many that have never been on a radio show that are just brilliant. They're doing some amazing things that I can't even write, wrap my mind around. But, um, no, I mean, there's there's definitely different levels of experience, and I think that there's definitely people who know their stuff better than others. But... As far as the expert part, I just, I mean, like myself, I don't feel I'm an expert at all. I mean, I know my stuff as far as, you know, I read my books and I read different series, but it's only, each book is only one person's view on the way things should be. I mean, really, there's, how can we call anybody an expert in a field that we really know nothing about? We don't even know what a ghost is or if it's even anything supernatural or is it something that's actually perfectly 
you know, explainable that science just hasn't discovered yet. I mean, could it be radio frequencies? Could it be um, something, you know, outer space? I don't have any idea. I don't pretend to know all the answers, but I do carry some heavy opinions, and they get me in trouble all the time. So most of, most of it has to do with ethics, though, than, than anything else. Well, it, it really is... Um... When, when you look at the way that people conduct themselves uh, in their own everyday life, it makes you wonder about what they're going to do as paranormal investigators. You know, and, and that's something I think we can get into a little mm-hmm. bit later because we, we only have a few minutes before the news here, and, and, and hopefully you can stick with us for a bit. But there's, um, there's, there's not a lot that I'm seeing from, from people that would make me want to uh, encourage them to come into my home as a person, you know, as, as somebody that I'd want to sit down at the, at, the, at the kitchen table with and have a cup of coffee with, let alone saying, okay, now not only that, but I want you to come in here and I want you to root around uh, through all of my drawers and, you know, root around through my closets. But there is one person who I would definitely trust to do that, and, uh, and he's calling in here on the line. So let's go to the phones. We have a, 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 somebody who wants to say hello to you. Anna. Hello, you're on Spooky's Elf Coast. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's your boy D. Perry calling for Anna the Banana, one of my oh, favorite paranormal It's my BFF. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to be saying such sweet things about me when I was on hold. I appreciate it. And she didn't even know. She didn't know you were on hold. That's amazing. I just, we just had this connection, I guess, you know? Unprompted nice thing. Well, you know, she's she's the banana, and I'm sure that you like banana cream pie, so it all works out. <laughs> it all works out, but... I just want to call in and support uh, support my friend because I think that she has a lot to say, and I think that there's a lot of uh, you know credence to, to uh, what she has to say. There's a lot of value because there is a lot of stuff that goes on in the field that some people just you know take with a grain of salt, and I think that a lot of the skepticism is gets washed out of it. And I think that you know even myself, I can become jaded sometimes if I start looking around and I'm like. I want people to continue this conversation about the paranormal and about spirituality and all these big questions, but I don't want people just, you know, chasing after every little dust orb and believing every little flicker of a flashlight. Like, ask bigger questions, but, you know, look for more uh, solid evidence when we're doing these kind of things. Yeah, and it's one of, you've been in people's homes, you know, in, in, in your work, even before you were on television. You know, you've been in people's homes and seen how much, the, you know, you see in their eye how much they need you and how much they need your help. And yeah. when, when you look at that look on their face, how can you take advantage of that and not want to, you know, perform to the best of your ability? Maybe some of these people think that they are and they're just not good enough at what they're doing yet to be able to do that. But I think some people are looking that person in the face and knowing full well, you know, I'm just here to screw around and I don't really care, you know, what ends up right. happening to you as a result. And, and you know what, too? I think there's some people that um, there's some people that don't know the difference between what's what's something that's paranormal and something that's explainable. And I think some people almost feel a responsibility to fulfill these people's, uh, their expectations and tell them that they have, you know, X, Y, or Z, like, in their house. And it's just, um, I think, because they feel like if they don't do it, they're letting this person down, you know. And it's uh, it can be difficult. It can be very difficult. But I think that if this field is ever going to move forward, we really need to, um, you know, look at things honestly and then and fairly before we, before we tell people what we think we have going on there. But, you know. Anyway, well, I don't want to take away from the show. I just wanted to show support for my friend Anna. Well, That's thank you for much. Oh, you, there. I love you, Dustin. You're always so good to me. <laughs> thank you so much. And of course, we'll see. We were talking earlier. We'll see you at Salem Con coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, man. It's gonna be a great time. I catch you all there. You have a nice night. You too. Take care. 
That is Dustin Perry. And, uh, you, again, you can see him at Salem Con. And, uh, and of course, he'll be on some of the new episodes of Ghost Hunters coming up. And, and Anna, you know, he's somebody who, uh, right from the start, you know, from the, from the first moment, uh, anybody knew who he was as, as a paranormal investigator. He was always somebody who respected that role and respected that position where, you know, now it's my job to try and, and make sure that, uh, I help educate people and, and I'm there as a resource for people rather than being somebody who's like, you know, I've made it, leave me alone. Oh, no. He, I mean, I'm not even talking about in the paranormal community. I mean, Dustin is genuinely, he is one of the nicest people I know. And he's the most humble and, He's real. I mean, he's very genuine in what he says. I know a lot of times, um, you know, I'll go on my little tangents and I'll kind of, you've, you've seen them. They're not pretty. I'm like, man, I, I, I really hope I haven't offended anybody, but at the same time I get really frustrated. Um, and Dustin will message me or something and just kind of give me a little pat on the back that, you know, he feels the same way, but, you know, he doesn't obviously want to go on a tangent on his page because, you know, he does try to keep it pretty positive but i think he makes a good point though and it's um with the you know we got to move past the orbs we've got to move past the you know the beams of light that are that we can recreate we have to start moving the community forward if we're going to get anywhere we're just kind of like in a rut right now everybody's just kind of spinning their wheels and you know, I think I told you the other night, the black T-shirt syndrome, it's just kind of the same thing. And <laughs> yeah, some of us were wearing black before it was cool, you know. Some of us have been yeah. wearing black because, you know, if you're like me, it's because it's slimming and you're needed. I'm going to get you in those high heels that we talked about. <laughs> you've <laughs> you got to do at least one. I think that's a discussion for the second hour. You, we have to get No, no, no. You know who. Uh, <laughs> we can't discuss it on the air, but we were discussing Uh-oh. somebody. Uh, let me... Uh, let me take this really quick call here. Uh, we have another call on the line. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Paranormal Anna. Let's make this a full love fest. If Dustin's calling in, Tenny's got to call in, too. <laughs> Hello, John. John Tenny. Uh, how, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good. I'm so glad I name-dropped the right two people. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. Well, you know, I think it really, I, you know, it's funny, too, right? Because I think that it's one of those things where a lot of people think that the majority of us are on Facebook or we are only interested at certain times, but we sit around and listen to radio shows and want to hear what the discussion is about. We like hearing people talk. We like hearing new ideas. Like, this is a real kind of testament to that. I like hearing myself talk, but I'm sure you guys have noticed that by Facebook. I'll just go on and on and on, but whatever. Well, I think that uh, it shows that you touch a chord with people when, you know, when you're doing things right and people want to pay attention to what it is that you have to say and they want to support you. It, it shows that, you know, they feel like you're a like-minded person. And that, that can happen without having to have these false flags of power unity that we can get into in the next hour. You know, I, Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, I just, my jump in on that, you know, I've always said, I've said this for years now, ever since the whole power unity thing has begun, when people say they want to end the paranormal drama, I, I have drama with my family, and I love them, uh, and it's never, it's never going to go away. When you talk about getting rid of drama from a loosely knit group of people who only mildly interact on the Internet every now and then, like that's not going away anytime soon. That is the truest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I just wanted to say hello. I wanted to you know, thank Anna for throwing ideas out there. Tim, you know I love what you do. Spooky South Coast crew, you know I love you. Likewise, sir. All right, we'll talk real soon, John. All right. Take care. And 
that that is the the one person who uh, you, you know that when he's talking about having drama with his family, it's it's well documented. If you if you read any of his <laughs> tweets and his posts, you know that sometimes his family drives him crazy. And if he feels that way about his loved ones, as he said, imagine how he feels about some people that he doesn't even know. So, and really, like we'll we'll get into that in the next hour. I think um, I, I think with uh, when. We'll discuss the Power Unity article as much as we can, and uh, we'll do that coming up. And yes, so, stay tuned. The, the biggest joy is those kids, huh? Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg, along with Stephanie Burke and the silent assassin, Matt Costa. You're going to love those random, just little, every once in a while, Dennis Miller likes to just, you know, give us a little thought to ponder. A little something there in the in, in the closing, uh, in the opening moments of the second hour, you know, mainly because I don't turn the computer off over there, so it goes to network, but... You know, that's all fourth wall stuff that normally you would be able to see on Spooky TV at SpookySelfCoast.com. But listen, I've been blaming it on technical issues, but I, I feel like I need to come clean a little bit here on Confession why we don't time. have Spooky TV dun, dun, dun. tonight. And, you know, it's 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 a shame because everybody's tuning in and they want to find out. They're, they're interested in the topic. They're interested in the guests, the discussion. And they're saying, well, this would be the prime time to show them how, unlike other paranormal radio shows, first of all, we're on a real radio station. So there's a lot more involved in that than just being on an internet show. Not there's anything wrong with these internet shows, but we have some degree of both broadcast standards that we have to meet and also some journalistic standards that we have to meet. So not only is there that that comes with being on a terrestrial radio station, but also we have what we call spooky TV, which is cameras, multiple cameras here in the studio. And, and Matt Costa, the silent assassin, is always switching between shots. We bring up graphics. We bring up photos. We bring up all kinds of great stuff. It, it's a television show around a radio show. Like when you watch, you know, whatever, Imus or, or, or Howard Stern or any of these things, they put, you know, the cameras in the studio. We do that on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. The only problem is we don't do it tonight. And why? Because I forgot to pack the power supply for the laptop. Which wouldn't have been a problem. There it is, folks. It happens, though. It wouldn't have been a problem had I not been using the laptop earlier today on battery power and sucked all the juice out of it. So let's blame it completely on me. Well, blame you, but maybe Matt can redeem the night by taking pictures and live-tweeting them. Maybe. That's true. He can do that. Uh, And, of course, I've been telling everybody to, to follow my Snapchat because I've been trying to put stuff out on Snapchat. I don't even know if I have that on my phone anymore. You, you know, it's it's cool because, like, you can throw some stuff out there and it's fun and you, you don't have to worry so much about, you know, is this going to stay out there in perpetuity, which is sometimes when you get a little bit, of go- you, get a little bit goofy, mm-hmm. you know, it might come back to bite you in the ass later on, but this way here, it's it goes away, hopefully. You know what the funny part is? Small girl moment. I actually look like a human tonight. I'm not in pajamas and we have no cameras. See, you always look like a human to me. I don't know what you what you're talking about with. <laughs> there has been no human months for the past five months. Although it's funny because you would come in in pajamas and I wouldn't know the difference. No, you wouldn't. But so you should you should check your Twitter then. Uh oh, what'd you do? 
video Twitter. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, well, fancy. And you can follow us on Twitter, <laughs> at SpookySC. I wish there was cameras to see the face you made, <laughs> like when I said that. At SpookySC <laughs> is our show's Twitter account. Scowled. You can follow us individually. I'm at Tim Weisberg. She's at sberk 910 Right? No, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> that's. I'm pretty sure that's it. I think I changed it to work at Burke. Wait, oh. it might be at Sberk 910. I don't remember. Okay. Well, anyway. And Try them both. Matt is at, at @smokingmonkeys. M-O-N-K-E-E-Z. I so. have the, the official Twitter on my phone now. I don't have my personal one. All right. So at SpookySC, you can always tweet to Stephanie if you need to. And, of course, you can use the hashtag SpookyLive during the course of the show to discuss anything that's on your mind, ask any questions of the guest. You can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can uh, also call in, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. And our guest tonight, of course, is Anna Hill, but you know her on Twitter as Paranormal Anna. And it just goes to show, you know, you've been on the forefront of social media, I think, Anna, to be able to get that that Twitter handle before uh, anybody else grabbed it up. Either that or nobody wanted it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I know. It was kind of weird. I don't know. I, I I thought it was going to be taken, but no, I guess not. So I've had it for quite a while. So, Well, it, one of the things that, uh, of course, you're, you're known for is somebody who doesn't hold back the opinions. And that's how I kind of first started having discussions with you uh, way back when Ghost Stalkers first premiered. And I was actually, I was drawn to some of the folks that were having intelligent discussion about what they wanted in paranormal television. Instead of people that were just, you know, going goo-goo and gaga over Chad Lindbergh, which, you know, most of the ladies do. And some of them, most of them also would go gaga over, over John Tenney and, and some of them over Dave Roundtree and, you know, maybe one or two over me. Thanks, Mom and Grandma. But, uh, the, you know, but, you know, we, we saw a, a group of people having intelligent discourse on social media about what they wanted to see out of the paranormal. And I was like, wait a minute, how often does this happen? Where it's, yeah. uh, you know, nobody's backstabbing each other or, or, or talking smack about each other. We're actually having intelligent discussion. So that's what I was uh, very impressed by. And it, and it turns out, that that's something that you've been fostering for quite a while with some of the, the articles and the blog posts you've been writing. And the one that came out this week really caught my eye because it's something that we've been talking about for quite a while. And, uh, and, and I think we have kind of the same viewpoints on the topic, including our own journey to those viewpoints, and that would be the idea of power unity. Uh, I'm guessing from the article that originally you were all on board with the idea of people actually working together. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And, you, you know, it, I don't want anybody to mistake my message either. It's not that I don't want people to work together. I think working together is really important. I think that there's just two different types of people out there. Um, I think John hit on a really good point about, you know, the whole paranormal drama. If You know, if it's going to stop, you know, then we need to quit partaking in it. And that really, I mean, we all have bigger problems. And, you know, I run a, a household um, I'm getting ready to have a, you know, a pretty major surgery. I have things going on in my life too. But me, the way I am, um, first of all, I'm a, I'm a nursing assistant by trade. My primary thing that I do is I'm a caregiver. Um, I've volunteered my time as a grief advocate in emergency settings um, with people who've passed away and they need somebody to come in and be their advocate, whether it's getting Red Cross for them to come in because their house just burnt down or whatever. So when I come into people's homes, I treat 
that the exact same way as I do any of the other jobs I do, whether it's home health or the grief advocacy or whatever. So when I come into their home, I'm trying to advocate for them. So when I see other people in the community not advocating for their clients, that's when I have the problem. It's not as much, you know, the television stuff or, um, you know, somebody's down at Linda Vista and they're doing some weird research that I don't agree with. That stuff doesn't matter to me. It's the client-based things where people are leeching off other people, the charlatans that are coming in, and they're, and they're doing things that are disrupting other people's lives. People need to separate the ghost hunt from a client-based investigation. Absolutely. If you're going to do client-based investigations, leave the ghost hunting part at home. Come in, research actively. I mean, just try to get as much information as you can and find out what is causing this phenomenon. Don't be quick to say that, okay, I see your pictures that you're showing me, and I think that these orbs are might be ghosts. I'm not sure, because as soon as you start putting those things out there, people are going to latch on to what you're saying because they think that you're a professional, that you know what you're talking about. Um, the idea of para-unity, it, it sounds like a good idea, but, you know, on paper is one thing, but when you start putting that into play, it's really a question of what is para-unity? What does that entail? And I think just, I mean, well, I will say just from the people I've spoke to over the last several years, um, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. There is no one consistent thought on what para-unity is. Well, before we really delve into that, and, and we, we certainly will, I want to take a step back to what you just said about you know the difference between ghost hunt and paranormal investigations. Now, we run a company called Legend Trips, which takes people on you know public ghost hunts. And mm-hmm. I've seen people say to me, the, I've had people say to me in the past, well, I'd love to go to one of your events, but I'm a serious paranormal investigator, so I don't really do ghost hunts. And I've seen people who have said, you know, I'm just into this for the fun. I don't want to do serious paranormal investigation. And and I try to look at it from, from this perspective, okay? Paranormal investigation, if you're doing it right and you're serious about it, it's it's a skill. It's an ability that you have. And just like not every single time Michael Jordan picked up a basketball, did it have to be Game 7 of the NBA Finals in terms of intensity? Sometimes he just picked up a basketball and screwed around with some friends in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't diminish what he could accomplish on the court in an NBA game just because sometimes he didn't take the game completely seriously and sometimes he just screwed around and you know was trying to make blindfolded shots from, from half court. It, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're one or the other. And I think paranormal investigators need to realize that. I think of a lot of the people that are so hardcore serious about investigation, every once in a while just took themselves away from all that, unplugged all the devices, and just went and had an experience, they'd be better for it. And people who just want to have an experience, if every once in a while they figured out exactly why that experience is happening, they'd be better for it as well. But it's a delicate balance that people aren't always willing to accept. Makes perfect sense. To well, one of the things that, um, you know, recently I, I left my team. I was the founder of a team that I was with for four years. Um, I left that team. But when I was with them, sometimes our team from certain people would catch a lot of, you know, the word I can't use, for doing the pay for place. Like we will pay to go into a place and investigate it. And, you know, I don't know what, for whatever reason, I've had. People try to explain to me why that's not a good thing, but 
I don't see anything wrong with that. For one, it's a historical location. The money mm-hmm. I'm putting into investigating is going into their pocket. So they're able to do restorations. They're able to do whatever they need to do with the building to keep it going. I'm all about historical preservation. The other thing is it's it's my time. It's my time to investigate. It's my time to conduct experiments. It's my time to work with my other investigators to teach them whatever they need. I don't want to train or experiment in a client's home. That's where the difference is. If you're the client-based residential calls are not the place to be experimenting and 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 teaching or or doing any these types of things. I don't see anything wrong with ghost hunting at all. I I'm not frowning down on that whatsoever. I just think that there is two different types of people. They need to be separate when you're dealing with clients. And, and I, I totally agree with that. One of the problems with it is, you, you know, you're talking about the need to to, to pay to go in some, and uh, pay for some of these investigations. I've gotten into a lot of fights with people. Uh, there's one guy who is notorious on on Facebook for always every time we have a Legend Trips event, you know, he's got to have something to say about the fact that we're charging people money to go do this research and that we have a responsibility to the field to to teach people how to do this without charging them and that these locations, if they have activity, have a responsibility to the science of paranormal research to let people in and investigate. And it just whatever fantasy world you're living in, it doesn't work that way. If somebody comes to me and says, I want to learn how to be a paranormal investigator and I think you can train me, I would be more than happy to train you for free if I have mm-hmm. the time to do so. But if you're coming to one of my events, we're putting on an event for you. That's a it's it's an it's something that we put work into. That's why you charge and then all you know it all goes to the the location. It goes to the food and the drinks that we provide you. It goes to the people that we pay to take part in it. You know, there's there's an accountability for all of that. It's not like we're we're lining our pockets off people learning about the paranormal. And the same with these locations. If you own a place that's haunted, who says that you have any right to be able to let people into your house. If my house is part of the Underground Railroad, I'm not going to let every historian through the door to come and check it out just because they want to. Mm-hmm. Well, that agree. would be like the equivalent of saying, you know, every McDonald's on the planet has to give out food for free because they have a responsibility to cure world hunger. Right. You know, it, it doesn't change anything. You know, we're putting on an event. We're putting on an experience for people, and it's not just the paranormal it's everything you're bringing you know your knowledge in your lectures and the food the drink everything so um well you don't owe it to anybody to give your time either right Right. what i would have to say to those people that feel that way is that if it's something you don't support then don't support it don't go out to these hunts don't support them that's the only thing you can do you know griping about it is not going to solve your mission or or how you feel um but, you know, like I said, I am somebody that's a big promoter of historical preservation. I've done fundraisers for historical locations in my area, and I think it's a great thing to do. I think if we're going to be out in these places all the time, using them, working in them, whatever, we should donate some of our time. We should give it back some of our time. It's not about taking all the time. It's about what we give back as well. Well, I, I gotta say, the, the first line of this blog post spot, again, it's paranormalanna.blogspot.com. We've tweeted out the link to it, uh, at SpookySC. You can check it out for yourself. But the, I guess you'd call it the headline of that blog post, why I think ParaUnity is 
we'll say BS because, like I said, we're on a terrestrial station, so we can't go as blue as we could on, like, you know, Blog Talk or one of those places. But uh, that alone pretty much sums up your feelings on this article. But where do you think people are going wrong in their desire to have this, what's become a buzzword of power unity? Where, where is it falling short in actual practice? Boy, that is a, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, there's a couple things I, I think that are wrong. I think one is that um, people have, well, I'm not going to say everybody, but just from what I've seen is, is people think that because we're, we have para, paranormal unity or whatever you want to, however you want to say it, that we all are working towards the same goal. That is something I see all the time. I actually put a graphic up of two hands shaking. I think it says, I support para-unity. We're all working towards the same goal. I have had a problem with that since day one. Even when I was a promoter of paranormal unity, I just, to me, that irks me. I don't think we are all working towards the same goal. Um, if you spend any amount of time on social media, I think that you would have to agree with me if, if you really think about it. Um, you've got some people out there that are actually trying to help move the, the community forward by doing different type of research, um, creating different types of technology, whether we agree with it or not. I know there's a lot of um, um, you know backlash about the phone apps and everything, but at least people are trying to make, like, a different type of technology to try to better the community. Whether or not the stuff works or not, so what? At least they're trying something new. Just like with Ghost Doctors, I love the fact that they were actually trying to test a different type of theory that had never been done on a show. Um, and then I see the other type of investigators that, um, you know, they're out there, they're, they're pushing their YouTube videos, and they're never actually contributing any kind of information to to the community but instead what they're doing is they're selling a ghost story and i mean there's absolutely nothing wrong with that that's fine as long as it's like an entertainment purposes only type thing but i mean there's just such a gamut of people out there that are doing this for totally different reasons Mm -hmm. so if i'm going to be united with somebody i want to be united with people that are working towards the same goals as myself that is education um, giving back to the communities through volunteering, whether it's historical preservation or, or whatever you're doing, as long as you're contributing back. Now, me, I do not claim at all to be an expert, not at all. But what I do bring to the community is the fact that I'm a medical professional, so when I look at each claim, I look at it like through an algorithm. Like I, I break everything down piece by piece in, a, in an analytical way that I can picture a claim, and I can eliminate what it is or isn't and work its way down. Through that, I can teach educational pieces like I'm sure you've seen all over my blogs. Um, so through education, that's how I plan to give back. Now, on the other hand, I cannot relate with somebody who's pushing a million likes on their YouTube, and that's all they're doing day and night is making right. these videos about um, a ghost, that there is definitely a ghost in this building, and it it's making knocks upstairs, and it's definitely this ghost. I cannot relate to somebody that's doing that. Right. It's not about the work. It's about their own popularity. Exactly. And while I will respect them, I, I, 
I know I talked a lot about respect in my article. I believe in respecting each other. I mean, I'm not going to go out there and start slamming these people and, and saying they're losers or whatever until I find that they're doing something that I think is damaging the community or it's hurting somebody, like one person or, or whatever. There's, there's just a really big difference between the two. Well, we are talking with Anna Hill. Uh, you know her as Paranormal Anna. And if you want to join in the discussion, you can call in at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. Or you can tweet about it on Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive. But you had mentioned earlier the idea of the paranormal community being in a rut. And, uh, and Christy messages in with uh, one of the reasons why... Uh, investigators and researchers fall into a rut is by doing the same thing over and over again and that by bringing new concepts and experiments to the table that keeps it fresh and that then you'll have new energies that will be coming about as part of that and and that's where i take a lot of issue too with para unity is they want you to all be working toward the same goal in the same fashion and the, to me that's a problem because with what i've seen in my work in, in paranormal research it's the differences between the people doing the work that help accomplish some of these things. You know, some, sometimes you'll work with somebody who's been investigating the same way for 30 years, and they can tell you, I've only had two paranormal experiences in 30 years. You come in, you give them a fresh take, a fresh approach, something new to try, a new energy, and all of a sudden things are happening, you know, off the charts. Because this is so subjective. I don't think the paranormal can be studied objectively because we have to subject ourselves to it and it has to be subjected to us experiencing it in order for it to happen. So I think that by everybody trying to be unified, it's going to take away that individuality. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely, I think the whole peri-unity thing is, can be counterproductive to what we're trying to do. Um, I honestly wish that people, when they, when they realize the system is broken, if they, if they're not getting results or, whatever, that they would, you know, go out of your comfort zone a little bit and, and try new things. Um, I think experimentation is great. That's one of the main reasons why I've gone away from being in a group is because I'm ready to move on to new things. I would love to get together with other skeptical-minded people and start taking these individual phenomenon that are really popular, like like I think we're on a discussion on orbs on, on your page here. Um, I would really love to, like, break down orbs where I can just totally obliterate it for the orb believers, not because I want to be mean, just because I want to move us beyond orbs. I want to move us beyond light streaks and um, definitely move us beyond ghost apps. I wish to God that everybody would just... <laughs> recognize a ghost app when they see it because i see a lot of people affected by them mm. but um yeah advancement for the for the community is really important and you know you just got to be willing to to educate yourself and, and and keep reading and keep learning there's i mean the great thing about spooky south coast and about our audience uh is that they know that sometimes we don't hold back on topics. I mean, sometimes we, we do. Sometimes we need to kind of take a backseat to the subject matter being discussed, but sometimes we need to kind of vent things out, too, and, and, and have have a discussion from all sides. And so here in the final half hour of the program, we can really, we can really let loose. All right, and let's not worry about hurting anybody's feelings here uh, and really get into the meat of this discussion. I want to just read quickly. Again, you can read the entire article on paranormalanna.blogspot.com, but I just want to read my favorite part. 
of the uh, of the article here that she wrote. I have noticed those who seem to be the biggest promoters of para unity are those who are looking to find acceptance within the community. People who are confident in their research and know their role in the paranormal community do not feel the need to seek acceptance. And I think that that goes beyond. That's not just an article point, uh, a bullet point in an article about para unity. That's a, a pretty brilliant psychoanalysis of the paranormal field in general. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of people in this field who are in it because they're different. They're weird. They grew up differently. They had these experiences when they were younger. They didn't know how to process them. They didn't have the support system in place. A lot of people are in this field to be different. And in that difference, they still want to be accepted. And that's where we get a lot of these people that are waving the power unity flag because they feel like they finally found their niche. And they don't want that same stuff that was in the other parts of their life to be influencing them within that niche. Do you feel like that's where a lot of this comes from, Anna, where it's you know people feeling like they found something in which they want to be and should be accepted, so therefore they're craving that acceptance? You know, I'm not, you know I really honestly, I didn't even think about it that way. Um, when I wrote that tagline i i the main thing i was thinking about was facebook and facebook likes and newer teams that are coming along on facebook and you know your own pages will be inundated with with hey like for like and oh do you support paranormal unity if you do share this and you know it 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 all comes back to getting like likes and traffic to your page Mm. with me while i mean it I'm out there, but I'm out there because of my educational topics, my my opinions that I've put out there. I've, I've put myself out there to be criticized. Like my article, I know that there's going to be backlash. I know there's going to be people who are going to be really just ticked off at me for saying some of the things I did. But, um, you know, I think that my closing thing was respect is earned, it's not given. I'm going to follow your work. But if if it's not something that I feel I can grow from, then I usually lose interest in it. So if I'm liking your page and I'm following you and stuff, it's because I want to see your work. But some of these pages are just about getting your getting the word out to like I don't care if somebody in China knows about me. I really don't. What matters to me is that people in my community, my my physical geographical community know me and know that they can call me if they need help. That's what's important to me. This other stuff is just kind of like me. The educational topics, they're fun. They're, they're great to put out there, but I honestly just want to help other people. My intentions are honestly good. They're not out there to make a name for myself. Um, that is where that quote came in, is that people, you know, that are, are constantly looking for acceptance, they will push parity on you. And if you don't, you're either with them or you're, or you're against them. If you don't support the para unity, they they will outcast you. They will they won't want anything to do with you. They think that you're a bully or a meanie or whatever, and it's not really about that. Right. Um, I want to support people who have the same goals as myself. And it, just because you don't want to play on the same team doesn't mean you don't want somebody not to be allowed to 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 play. It, oh, it, no. It's 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 a matter of. You have to find, especially something like this, which can be, you know, paranormal research for people who are getting into it. Say, you know, you're just starting out and you're forming a team because you feel like you're finally ready to go out and investigate, which, by the way, 
you know, shouldn't be the first day that you get involved in the paranormal. But anyway, you know, you decide that it's time to go out there and, and have these experiences and, and do this research firsthand in the field. You're going to go through this. There's a change that will happen to you. It's going to shake your worldview. It's, a, it's going to be a paradigm shift for yourself personally. And you need to support yourself with people surrounding you that will be supportive of that. And I'm all for supporting people in that part of their quest. You know, I want to make sure that you feel like, yes, we are all working together to have, you know, this enlightenment of things. But we're not all working together in the same fashion. No, there's no other, quote unquote, field where people feel the need to have to all work on the same team to figure something out. You know, McDonald's and Burger King didn't get together and decide to make the same recipe for burgers. But yet they both decided they're going to make America fat separately. It works in any type of structure, in, in the corporate world, in the real world, anywhere. Not everybody has to get along with each other. Even people that are working on the same team, you know, even a sports team, they still don't get along with each other. They're all different. They all operate differently. They all have their own minds. So why should it be the same for the paranormal group? Right. Those differences are where the innovation can come from. Right. And well, and God forbid that we all agreed. You know, it would we would be getting nowhere. We would just be sitting here, okay, yes, there are ghosts, and this is what a ghost is. Right. We'd be it, complacent. Yep. We have to have disagreement. That's what I mean. And you want to talk about disagreement? You will get probably the most passionate amount of disagreement that out of any community that I know. than you will out of paranormal people because you've got you know your absolute skeptics. And I'm not talking about skeptics like myself who are open to the fact that there's something out there. I'm talking about like the James Randi. Mm. There's there's the guy out there that does nothing but all day long he wants to knock every single thing out there in the paranormal community on the other side you've got the person that will not be convinced one way or the other that there's anything but ghosts there's everything's a ghost you'll see the pareidolia you'll see uh, you know the orbs and all that and that's fine i i just believe that people need to be open somewhere in the middle that okay if 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 i do this research and i do find something that counters my my claim that i'll be open to go further with it because if we're so cut and dry right down the middle then we really are not ever going to get anywhere there's no really no reason to be here i've got lots of claims out there you'll see them from five years ago that if you ask me today i would totally face palm i would feel stupid even accepting it but i leave that work out there i don't go out there and try to cover my tracks and try Mm -hmm. to cover up any of this because I know there's going to be somebody out there going, okay, Anna, but in 2012, you were saying, I did, but I learned from it. I actually learned from it. And you want people to see that maturation that you've gone through as an investigator and as a researcher. And, and But, see, that's part of it is you're willing to, to accept that. You're willing to accept the mistakes of the past or, or maybe just the you know the, the not quite in, educated enough of the past. Whereas that's the, the biggest problem, I think, holding people back is part of the power unity idea is that you can't, criticize anybody and and i shouldn't even say criticizing with that negative connotation you can't peer review anybody without them taking it personally as an attack on them and their work you know when you tell somebody well hey great picture but did you take into account that it might be this you know they they don't want to hear that it's got to be a ghost it's got to be paranormal and if you try to tell them otherwise you're just a bully well that all boils down to ego too Everybody has the largest ego in the paranormal world, and mm-hmm. they don't want to get it bruised. 
and because there's no guideline for anyone to follow, nobody's out there saying, this is what paranormal is, this is scientifically proven, everybody's open to any type of subject matter when it comes to, um, I mean, any type of paranormal anything, any supernatural anything. It doesn't have to necessarily be ghosts. So if there's no guideline to follow, everybody's right every in their own minds. And when you throw those egos in there, it turns into a crap show. Pretty much. Egos are a major downfall, I think, for a lot of people in, yep. in this whole community. Um, <clears throat> one of the reasons why I made Paranormal Dustbusters and Truth Seekers, which is a mouthful, um, is because you know, I love to talk about the paranormal. I really do. And I would join these groups, you know, I don't know, there's probably, what, thousands of them out there. And people were posting things, and I would try to peer review, and I would immediately be shot down as being a bully. And it's not trying to be a bully. I really want to help teach people um, what these certain things are. I would I wrote articles about pareidolia and, and orbs and all these other things trying to put things in simple terms that way anybody could read it and understand it and make comparisons like with the pareidolia i put clouds up and the moon the man and the moon and all these different things and i would try to very gently speak to them and i still would be just attacked i mean especially by people that were really well known but were on the spiritual side of things would really attack me i i would get death threats on my on my messages it was it was crazy. So I finally had enough of that, and I went ahead and made my group. And every once in a while, I mean, things will get a little heated in there, and I have to kind of keep my skeptics in check a little bit that we don't have to be condescending with our opinions. We could respect each other and accept that we do have differences, that unless we're actually hurting somebody, there's no reason to argue with such vigor. There's there's just no, there's no need for it. You catch more bees with sugar than you do vinegar, right? I mean, or flies or whatever the mm-hmm. heck they are. Um, you don't have to be, you don't have to be so abrasive. You can do things gently, and I think I think people will listen as long as you are open to hear them out as well. The I ego usually that. will be the one that will get in the way of all that. Well, I mean, see, this is where it bothers, and, and eventually you have to reach a point where. You have to kind of let it wash over you and realize. I mean, obviously, for someone like yourself who has, uh, you know, Anna, you've kind of set yourself up in a way that people look to you as a resource for information. But if you're somebody who is just a casual, you know, person involved in the paranormal field, you kind of need to learn to put some blinders on for some of the stuff that goes out there or goes on out there, or else it's going to drive you crazy. For example, the other day, I sent you a link to an article about a series of pictures that this person was claiming to be <laughs> paranormal photographs. And, I mean, you and I looked at them, and just at, at first pass, we, we could tell that there was something else going on that was a, a rational, normal explanation for these photographs. Yet this is a person who's charging people money to come and learn how to dissect photographs and decide if there's a ghost in them or not. This is also the jerk that wrote about me in their book <laughs> without my permission, right? <laughs> well, you're really not holding back, man. Yeah, and that's something, that's something I have a hard time with. I really do. I know for a lot of people it may seem petty that it's something that I shouldn't let get to me, but it really honestly does. If you're carrying a title and you're, and God knows how paranormal investigators love to title themselves with all these fancy things that don't exist, but, you know, to the, the average person reading this article, they think that everything is paranormal. It really does instill fear in people, and people just don't get that. Ghost stories are great. I love ghost stories. I love urban legends. I also love to dissect them. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, 
But people put these things out there, and they really don't think that they're causing problems, but really they are. They, they really are. And that we, we actually talked last week uh, on last week's show, and uh, I know that Matt and Stephanie were in here, but we there was an article that came out from, of all places, Crack Magazine, or Crack.com as it's known now. But this is an art. This is a magazine that you know when it first started was just the same thing as Mad Magazine, just a bunch of goof, goofy parody stories. Mm-hmm. But they had an article up last week of you know pretty much ghosts explained, and they explain that when people are experiencing paranormal phenomena, that it's infrasound, and that people are mistaking infrasound for being something paranormal, and that explains everything. And now the topic of ghosts can go away because now we've rationalized at all and it's it's a disservice because to a lot of people in the field who are already doing research they already know about infrasound they already know how to avoid mistaking that they carry sound meters with them when they're on an investigation they see the visual range of where the sound falls when they're conducting their evp review but but, you know to the general public they look at it and they see that article and they say okay yep okay ghosts aren't real anymore and the same thing with those photographs as you said they see them and they see that a a quote-unquote paranormal expert is telling them that it's a ghost so then holy crap these are actual real ghost photographs so because those extremes can fluctuate so much in the public eye you know you there's a, a huge sense of responsibility in everything that you're putting out there well it's a real shame that Poor Hans Holzer and Nikola Tesla had to all pass away because all they needed was an iPhone to find a ghost. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it's the truth. I mean, these are men that put their entire life, and I'm talking about really smart guys, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, Nikola Tesla is probably one of the greatest minds that ever were. And these people put their whole life's work in trying to find out if, if ghosts are real or not. And then here you've got this 18-year-old kid who gets 15 ghosts on his phone every day. I mean, come on, guys. It's it's not rocket science. You cannot possibly think that you're catching ghosts on top. I, it, that, to me, irks me. I just can't even wrap my mind around it. Um, you've seen my rants, though, on paranormal photography anyways. That's, it's kind of my thing. I, I base a lot of my topics around it. But... Um, you know, when we get into, like, experts, for example, one thing that, you know, like, there's not any expert in the paranormal, but you do have experts in photography, experts in video, right, yeah. experts in psychology that can understand the, the human psyche. There are people out there, and it doesn't even have to be a degree. Like, for me, I use my medical degree to try to apply it so I'm a better investigator. Um it's just, I don't understand how people cannot grasp the fact that you are not capturing ghosts 15 times a day. It's just, it's just not even physically possible to do that. I mean, you would have to be the greatest mind ever. These people need to have, like, a Nobel Prize. I mean, it's really kind of frustrating. Well, we do we do have one paranormal investigator who won a Nobel Prize. Brian, jo- Brian Josephson won the Nobel Prize, but you know he won it for physics. He's a paranormal. He's interested yeah. in the paranormal as part of it, but you know generally, none of us have have won a Nobel Prize yet. But you know, working yet. working on it. You never working know. on it. You never know. Did you did you have something you want to say, Stephanie? <laughs> oh no, I was just going to okay. say, um, leading back to what she was saying about Hans Holzer and Nikola Tesla, the sad part is the 18-year-old that's catching the 15 ghost photos per day have never even heard of them, never read a book by them. That's true. And they don't understand. What they know is 
uh, you know, season one, episode one of Ghost Hunters. Well, I want to get into that in a second, but I, I'll make the point that I've made before, and that's that it's also a misconception to some to some degree too that experience does not trump innovation. Mm-hmm. The fact that you have been doing this for 35 years doesn't mean that an 18-year-old kid can't come across with a new and different way that's going to come up with better that's also experience. Very but true. you have to be willing to accept the review, the breakdown, the criticism, and the analysis of what you're doing to make sure that it's on the level, yes, which is do. where a lot of people fall short. Everybody well, does. one thing like with me, I, for example, when I was with my team, we were at the USS Hornet in Alameda, California. One of my investigators, he captured something on his phone that we cannot explain. And, he, yes, he had his phone on him. We were on a tour. Um, it was not a regular investigation. We were just going through, and he was snapping pictures. Now, in my position and in my defense, I trust my investigator. I've worked with him. I work beside him. I have to trust him. If I don't trust him, then really, I mean, we, ha- we have bigger issues. But I trust the guy. And so he captures this thing on his phone, and, it just the whole way it went down. I I told him I said, hey, for one, it's on a on a cell phone, and for two, you didn't do this, and there's not a series of photos, and you know we have our little um, criteria that we have to meet when we're doing photography in the field. And he did not by any means follow any of that criteria, which I wouldn't have ex- have expected him to. He was just snapping pictures of the infirmary of the of the ship <clears throat> to show his wife. So. Rather than put this out there, which a lot of teams would have done, they would have put this big black mass that looks like a human being on the Internet, and they would have said, oh, apparition caught. Instead, what I did is I broke that photo apart. I, I wrote down everything that he did wrong, every reason why I would believe him, every reason why I believed his experience. But at the end, I drew a conclusion that it was something that I could not use as evidence of anything and i use it as an opportunity to educate my teammates myself and the general public through our mistake we want you to learn that when you're in these locations whether you're on a tour or not to be on task at all times and so this photo is out there and i would never in a million years think to put this out there as a ghost and it's much better than anything i've seen out there personally um you know, be humble in your research. If you make a mistake, admit it. Don't try to cover it up. Follow the same protocol every single time you're taking pictures. You know, whether it's three pictures or four pictures, um, you know, whatever your control settings are, do the same thing every time. And there's a real problem with um, consistency in the field. So if, if you do make a mistake, it's fine to put the material out there as it is, but admit what you did and explain your process while you're doing it. Um and I understand that not everybody that that's out there that's putting out ghost pictures is a paranormal investigator either. But, you know, people have to understand that we weren't there, so we can't judge your picture by by any means whatsoever. Well, one of the things that's come up kind of a little bit on Twitter, and again, you can talk about the show using the hashtag SpookyLive, and also uh, here, as Stephanie just mentioned it, is, you know, paranormal reality television has played a huge impact in a lot of the way that folks position themselves in the field. And and it, it, not everything in real life can follow the same format and structure of a television show. And I think people are mistakenly 
taking that and adapting it toward their model in real life. And that's where a lot of these issues are coming up with basically, you know, when, when you're seeing the shortcut version right. of what actually goes on, which is what happens in a television show, they're cutting down the actual process into a, an easily digestible television show. So mm-hmm. when you see the shortcuts on TV, then you take the shortcuts in reality and, and realize that it doesn't really work that way. No, and I've been part of TV production. Um, I, I've seen how it works. Um, I have really close friends that have been on major shows that are really popular out there. Um, and you're not getting the ghost hunt. You're not getting the paranormal investigation. You're getting whatever the producer wants to put out there, whatever the production team wants to put out there. It's a story. You've got to take it for what it is. It's entertainment. It's not a how-to guide. I mean, not that I've not that I've had a lot of these experiences happen in, in my work in television, but, you know, if you're investigating for... Uh, you, you know, a certain location, and you're you're presenting this certain storyline for that location. That's a part of the known history of it, because a lot of these shows, that's what they want. They need to have the actual history. They don't want these random stories about somebody who encountered this, unless it ties into the history, because they want to have somewhat of a, a factual model for what's going on. And so you could have like a great EVP that has nothing to do with the history, and you might get a producer saying, "That's great, but we can't use it because it doesn't fit what we're trying to do," right. even though it could be earth-shattering evidence, uh, and, and, and that or earth-shattering data, we'll say. But that's something that you know people need to understand is that you know that story is being controlled. There, there's a reason why there's a story producer on a reality show because they need to make a cohesive narrative out of what actually goes on. But another thing to think about, too, with with TV shows is that, you know, when we are going out there and we're doing an investigation, we're going for a night. TV shows, these people are going there for weeks just to try to get 30 minutes of film. It's it's really condensed, and, you know, I've seen it personally that I'm not saying it's any particular show, but I've... I've personally seen it that they will misconstrue something. They will piece together conversations that never happen. They will piece things together to make it happen a certain way. They manipulate the the flow of the show extremely. Um, you know, so I don't I don't necessarily fault celebrities, the paranormal investigating celebrities, I, I really don't. I think most of them have good intentions. I know the ones that I'm friends with have really good intentions. But at the end of the day, it's it's entertainment, and people need to remember that. And as long as you're upfront about that, it, you know, being one of these investigators, I, I have no problem with it. I mean, if you look at some of this, like look at, for example, the, the figure that was captured uh, on Ghost Stalkers in, in the uh, Springfield State Hospital, you know, mm-hmm. it, it when you can have somebody with Tenny's experience come out and say, I honestly think we captured an apparition on camera, then I take that for what it's worth. But when you're, you know, when, when they're putting paranormal groups on television and I don't know anything about these people and I can't find any kind of history on them and I don't know anybody that's worked with them and they're like, we got the holy grail of ghost investigation. <laughs> you know, that's when I'm like, okay, so they hired a bunch of actors to put together this fake reality show. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, you know, the I'm, I'm okay with the suspension of belief for certain things, but I don't want to have the total acceptance of BS either. Right. 
Uh, it's I agree kind of with a, you. Yeah, a fine line to walk there. But we only have yeah. a, about seven minutes left in the show, and we had a request from a listener to ask this question. And so seven minutes might not be enough time to really cover it, but I know, Anna, that you've had a personal experience uh, in, in regard to this. And the question that came up was, what is the difference between spirit uh, a, a spirit attachment and actual possession? What's the difference between when a spirit uh, decides to stick to you as opposed to when it tries to fully possess you and take you over. And, and I know that you had an interesting experience, if, you, if you'd be willing to share that with us. Sure. Um, well, for one, I'm not a demonologist by any means, um, but I, I have had these discussions with, with certain people that I do trust. Um, Tommy Durant is a great guy here in Southern California. I referred a lot of our cases to him that, you know, when something comes across the table to us that I'm, I think maybe demonic, I send it his way because I have no business dealing with that. In my opinion, a spirit attachment obviously would be considered a human spirit and a possession would be by something that was never human at all. Um, possibly a demon. I don't know. I don't even know if these things even occur, but that would be my best guess. As far as my experience, um, Early last year, we were in Totopah, Nevada, and we were investigating the Belvada Apartments, which is a building directly across from the Mitzvah Hotel. Um, we were, we actually got a call from a group out of Las Vegas um, that my ex-co-lead investigator worked with them at one time, so they wanted to get together for a dual investigation. Of course, we were all over it. Um, we went to the apartments that early that morning when we um, got there and went in for a walkthrough, a safety walkthrough, and I just began to feel really weird. I don't know what was going on. I, I was getting totally ticked off, and I really didn't get what was going on with me. I, I went there in a great mood. There was no reason for me to be in a bad mood. Um, I actually caught some footage. We were hearing voices throughout the place, and it, it just was kind of just everything felt weird. Everybody was kind of strange. So in the middle of the walkthrough, we decided we were going to take a break. And so we went back down. It's, it's about five stories, I believe. We went back down and um, had a discussion that we thought we should all go have breakfast and kind of get together and decide how we wanted to handle the situation. But one, the historian of the town couldn't meet with us right away, so... Barry, Barry um, of Vegas Valley Paranormal, who was the other team that was with us, told us to go ahead and go down to the the cemetery, which is right next to the infamous Clown Motel, and check that out. Until then, and we would meet back for breakfast in about an hour. And, of course, we were all over that. We, we drove down to the Clown Motel, and it's disgusting. Don't ever go there, and I'll say that publicly. Um, but right next to it is this really cool cemetery that, is like nothing I've ever seen before. All the tombstones aren't even stones. They're wood, um, very weathered, and they're just awesome. So, you know, we get out of the car, and I think nothing of it, and here I am. I'm always this pretty uh, analytical-type thinker. I, I don't invest much in, in my feelings when I'm on a case, even though I do think that I have some ability. I try to let my um, facts lead me. And I stepped into the cemetery, and I just, I don't know, I, that's that whole feeling started coming back. I started getting really ticked off, and, and I was, started to get actually a little bit teary-eyed, and I had no idea what was going on with me. And I started walking through the cemetery a little bit, and all of a sudden it just felt like I had this extreme pressure in my collarbones, and I just felt like I was being pulled through the cemetery. 
And so I just kind of walked with it and let it kind of happen. And I don't know. I just kind of went into this little bit of a haze. Oh. And I guess my team members kind of noticed I looked strange. And they asked me, hey, sis, are you okay? What's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. And they're like, well, what are you feeling? I'm like, I don't know. I don't feel anything. And I started crying. And they're like, okay, time out. You need to go out of here, like, right now. Of course, they're all watching out for me. I walk out of the cemetery, and I, I walk out with Barry, which he's been in this community a very long time. I trust him with everything. Um walks out and just tells me, dude, you're not right. There's something wrong with you. I, just the way you look doesn't look right, and I don't feel right. And we finally decide to get in the car and drive up to the mines that are above um, Tonopah, and I start crying, and I start telling everybody, I know something's wrong. I know something's wrong. Something is going on. Even that morning when I got up, I told everybody, something doesn't feel right. Something's off. And when I got to the top of the hill, my phone rings. And I don't know if it's because I have service or whatever, because Tonopah's kind of been a little like a bowl. But we were up on this mountain, and I got a phone call that my um, daughter's friend was hit by a train, and um, it was actually two kids in town were hit by a train. And I kept telling everybody that I felt something was going on, that I was concerned. I felt like it was either going to be one of my friends or something else. Um, but, no, I got I got the phone call, and it turned out it was one of my dear friends, um, her daughter, um they, her and her boyfriend were walking down the tracks, and they, um, he, the boyfriend actually pushed the girlfriend off the tracks the last second they didn't hear the train coming, and the boy that got killed was my neighbor. Hey. So it was very close to home, and it was very emotional for me to get that call, but it just kind of felt like I knew what was going on. Sure. But either way, something had changed within me, and something was crazy wrong, and I've never had anything like that. When I went home... I did not feel right. I felt like something was really going on with me, and I actually contacted Tommy Durant and worked on doing a bunch of cleansing stuff, and it took a long time, but I finally was able to shake it, and it um, it prompted me to write a little article. It's, I, don't, I can't even think of the title of it. It's um, uh, Confessions of an Empath, I think, or something like that. But um, I had precognitive dreams about this trip, and I, and I kind of just knew that something wasn't going to go right. And because I didn't want to let six people down in my team, I went ahead and went through with this trip, and I regretted it extremely. It was a really gnarly trip, and it's the one thing that I've done that, that really shook me, that I really regret not listening to my gut and, and, and staying home. It was, it was really traumatic for me. Well, uh, I hate to leave it at that, but we do have to. We are out of time. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us, and uh, and hopefully uh, we can talk again somewhere down the line. I'm sure you've got some other interesting articles that will be coming down the way at uh, paranormalanna.blogspot.com, and of course they can follow you on Twitter at paranormalanna. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I had a great time discussing, and nice to actually hear your voice. Put a voice with the uh, with the words. That's right. <laughs> All right. Take care. You have a great night. <laughs> bye bye. And uh, that does it for us. So until next week, we want you all to stay spooktacular.